0: Welcome in to the 48 Minutes Podcast by Believe, where you stay up to date in 48 on all things NBA. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside my co-host, Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media, and World be Michael Freer. This is episode number 31, The Matrix, Sean Marion episode, and uh, I got to say about the, the Matrix here, he's the most underappreciated Phoenix Suns player of all time, and one of my all-time favorite Suns players. You guys have any thoughts on Sean Marion?
1: Great nickname. Was always a great nickname. Kind of described him. I mean, you know, he could just tie you up so many different ways and yeah. was a great, uh, you know, teammate of uh, Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, and those guys. Those were some really good teams that kind of got screwed that one year by the refs against San Antonio.
0: Yep.
2: Very unique gun skill sons. set. Very, very unique, unique skill set and very unique build for said skill set. And he – You know, you did it both ends. You really, you know, you got to appreciate guys like that. Yeah. One of the true innovators of the small
0: ball four before it was as popular as it is today. But um, so shout out to you, Sean Marion. And with that, we'll get right into our opening tip. Bruce, why don't you lead us off? Thank you, Ross.
1: You know, most people have heard of throwback Thursday, but this week, Russell Westbrook celebrated way back Wednesday. It's been a rough few years for Russ since he won the MVP award in 2017, and he bottomed out earlier this season when the Lakers decided not to start him and eventually traded him to the Utah Jazz, who waived him six weeks ago. But since joining the Clippers on February 22nd, he moved his gear down the hall at the Crypto.com Center and moved up from a play-in situation to a team that's fighting for home court in the first round of the playoffs. On Wednesday, the Clippers played the Grizzlies in Memphis with no Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. Memphis has been red hot lately and they hadn't lost at home in more than seven weeks. But Russ turned the clock back to 2017 and dropped 36 points on 13 of 18 shooting, including five of five from downtown as the Clips hung 141 on the Grizz winning by nine. If this is the Russ we see in the playoffs and Kawhi and PG-13 are healthy, I would say the Clippers just might
0: be that team that comes out of the West. Absolutely. And uh, I had to do a quick double take when I saw that box score and make sure I was seeing the numbers right with Russell Westbrook there. So well said there, Bruce. And uh, World B, what do you got for an opening tip?
2: Well, this week, as you can tell, I'm uh, not in my usual spot in the office. I'm down in uh, in Fort Myers working at an event. Uh, our high school hoops the geico nationals featuring uh some of the top boys high school team, basketball teams in the country along with uh some of the girls top girls high school basketball teams in the country and uh they're meeting down here their annually uh annual tournament and it's been a really fun first day uh with the boys teams there were four games and decided by a total of nine points and uh the number one team montverde academy out of florida uh, perennial national champions in high school, actually ended up losing in the final game. So it was a real shocker. Wow. And there's there's names you hear about all over uh, as we get to the end of the college basketball season with the uh, NCAA tournament, guys going pro or whatever. And here's a name that is actually skipping college and uh, the highest ranked player in this field is a gentleman by the name of uh, a uh, kid by the name of Matisse, Matas. Bazillas. I probably yeah. butchered that, and I apologize. Uh, but he's going straight from Sunrise Christian Academy in Kansas to the G League in order to get himself ready for the pros. He's a 6'10 guy who handles the rock like a, a point guard. and can shoot it from the outside. He can work inside. Very athletic. He looks like a kid that I saw today that has a chance with a year of G League experience with him. Could end up becoming a... Uh, a high draft pick in a couple of years so uh this has been a so far for day one it's been a lot of fun and a lot of your kids you're going to see in college and in a couple of years you're going to see them in the pros wow very cool and you've heard you heard it here first on the 48
0: minutes podcast by world b keep an eye out for matisse in the g league next year all right for me i've got an opening tip on uh, wanting to discuss two new player comps that have come to mind for me these past few weeks watching these games. And uh, for those of you that know me well, when it comes to understanding something confusing in life, I love analogies. And so when it comes to understanding and evaluating NBA players, I've always been a huge fan of player comps. Player comparisons are tricky. Some hate them. Others love them. And I'll be the first to admit they're never perfect, but they can serve a purpose of painting a better picture of a player's ability, a player's value, and sometimes even a player's overall ceiling. And I think everyone can admit they're fun and entertaining at at the very least. So here's my two recent ones, and I must warn you, one of them is a little bit spicy. Number one, Nas Reed is the second coming of Bobby Portis. Both are tough, both are good three-point shooters for their size, and they both provide a nice spark off their respective benches. Although I'll give Portis the leg up defensively and, Re- and Nas Reed the, the clear leg up on being able to put the ball on the floor to create off the dribble. I think those guys are two comparable players and uh, wanted to just real briefly here, get your guys' take if you can kind of see that as a good comp for Nas Reed. I think, I think it, it's, a, it's a very good comp.
1: I would say Nas is a little bit more physical than Portis, although Portis can be physical just ask, you know, his former teammate on the Bulls, who he like flattened <laughs> because he didn't like what he said. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> yeah. Nash, to me, is a little bit more of a of a tough guy. And Portis, as good as he is, seems a bit more of a finesse type guy, but both extremely effective. And I think that's a really good comparison.
0: All right. And for the second one, this is the spicy one here. A uh, bit of a hot take, but Jordan, you know, with Jordan Poole. You know, he, he's a much younger, glorified version of Malik Monk on a max contract. I think if you look at what Jordan Poole is doing, what he's capable of, you know, of course, he's just 23 years old. He's got a, a, a way higher ceiling. But at this point in time, you know, I think Jordan Poole and, and Malik Monk can do the same things. I think you can insert Malik Monk into that Warriors lineup and he'll provide the same things that Jordan Poole does
2: you guys agree or disagree? World B? Uh, I vehemently disagree. Okay. I And I'm a Malik Monk guy. I liked him with the Hornets. Yep. I, his last year there, I didn't want to see him go. And I've talked about it all season. You know, the Lakers, their three-point shooting issues, and I keep bringing it up. Well, you just let one of your better ones just walk to Sa- Sacramento. Why would you do that? But that being said, and Jordan Paul has not had a good season. So I can understand putting it. He just had – He's been able to score okay, but his shooting's been terrible. It's just been terrible. And it stands out on a team like this, and it really stands out when you're struggling like they have up and down all season. But I think the best of Jordan Poole trumps the best of Malik Monk every day of the week. I like Malik Monk. Jordan Poole brings – now he hasn't shown it, but he showed it last year. He showed it from about the second half of the year on. It opened our eyes at just what kind of player he was. I just think he – At their best, Jordan Poole is a better player. All right. Well, I
0: knew it was spicy, so I'm I'm, I'm okay with the disagreement there. And uh, we'll have to keep an eye on those guys moving forward. And uh, with that, let's get right into our first quarter. I know that Bruce is itching to talk about tonight's big game between the Boston Celtics visiting the Milwaukee Bucks. And um, kind of a bigger question to go off of things once we reacted tonight's game where the Celtics blew out the Bucs in Milwaukee. But are these the two top teams in the NBA or are the the Denver Nuggets mixed in there as well? Bruce? Oh, I think they're the top two
1: teams in the NBA. And I would also say that as a competitor, I think Milwaukee, you know, losing this game by 40 whatever points that they lost by. I mean, They're not going to forget this. I mean, that is just such a whooping that they won't soon forget this. So I think if from the perspective of a Boston fan, I would have been much happier seeing Boston win that game by like eight or 10 or 12 points and just kind of show you, Hey, you know what? We can come in there when a, pretty close game on your home court. I think you can basically throw the significance of this game out when it comes to the playoffs. Milwaukee is going to have the home court. Boston's not going to catch them. The only way it's going to not happen that way is if somehow or another, one of those teams gets eliminated prior to the conference finals, which I don't see. Okay. So yes, I think they're the two best teams. I would still say, I would, I would say I would give Milwaukee a slight edge um, and Denver to me is number three, and then after that, it's probably you know Philly, Memphis. Flip a coin on that one. All
2: World right. we'll be. Uh, well, talking about the game first. I mean, the second quarter was just brutal, forty-one yeah. to twenty-one. The Busco go zero for eleven from three-point range in the second quarter, and you know the Celtics outscored them by eighteen points from three-point range in that second quarter. There's basically your your 20 point spread, 18, if you, you know, if you will. So if you want to look at pinpoint where things went wrong there, that, that's the first place to look. But uh, yeah, I, on the one hand, I want to say uh, this is not that big a deal because Bruce is right. Barring something really unforeseen, like a few more nights of this from Milwaukee, you figure Milwaukee's got enough of a cushion. They've proved it for the most part over the last two months with that wonderful stretch they had where they won 16 in a row and anybody like 24-4 and four at one point, something stupid like that. Um, they established themselves as the best team in the league, at least during the regular season. Uh, on the other hand, it's just, once again, where's the offense? The Bucks have been playing so good offensively. And I know Boston has a great defense, but you had your full allotment of players. Your big three were there tonight. Brooke Lopez, and as well, and you don't even get a hundred. I know the game got out of hand, so you didn't. You know, maybe they were trying; they would have gotten to a hundred. I'm just, I'm, I'm continue to be concerned about the Bucks' offense, and until that happens, I, I think they're number one. I think Boston is probably number two, but I don't think it's a given anymore that Denver is can't become the second best team in this conference I, or in this league. I think the way they're playing right now, um, we've talked about it in previous episodes. They're, they're on a roll right now and they're not, they're not limping to the finish line. They they're establishing. They had a nicer cushion than the bucks did for the longest time in the, uh, in the West. And they don't right now, they're not showing signs of let's just limp towards the finish. They, they look like they want to, in playoff mode and want to establish themselves as a the team to beat in that conference. Just
1: um, regarding, you know, Milwaukee and Boston, I I said this more or less around the time that Milwaukee passed Boston for the best record, which was now, I don't know, about a month or so back. Um, I think, you know, Boston is okay at number two, because if things go, you know, in a a chalk-like fashion, Cleveland and New York are going to play in the first round, and the winner of that series is going to play the number one seed, which presumably would be Milwaukee. Boston has had like nightmares playing those two teams this year. I think, and and if, and again, if, if the chalk kind of holds and Boston wins its first round series and Philadelphia does, they get Philly in the second round. I like that matchup much better for Boston. Um, so what we saw tonight was Boston basically saying, okay, you know, if we're, you know, if we're the better team, when we get to Milwaukee, if we get to Milwaukee, and, and I've said this a few times on this show, uh, the, the, my favorite, Coach slash analyst that I work with, Avery Johnson said, if you're the better team, you should win in six. The home court advantage can be overrated. That said, it's just it's I think Denver's probably gonna come out of the West. So, but I think both Boston and Milwaukee are better than them, Ross. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I would agree with you guys. I think the best two teams are in the East this year, in the Milwaukee Bucks and Boston Celtics. I'm not quite sure based off what we talked about on previous episodes, Bruce, you know, with Time Lord, if Time Lord's out, I actually might put and argue that the Denver Nuggets are, are better than the Celtics. But with Time Lord back, I think this is a whole different team. I mean, we've seen this uh, so far, um, especially tonight. He played another big difference maker, especially in that uh, first half. He kind of made his presence felt around the rim. And uh, with his impact defensively and just his shot blocking ability it allows this team to, to really pressure up a little bit more. And Mike Missoula has definitely got his guys pressuring a lot more, knowing if they get beat, they got, they got to face Time Lord in the paint. And then if he's swatting shots, deflecting shots, or just grabbing rebounds, they're doing a great job of getting it and going. And it, you know, once they get out in the open court, they're one of the toughest teams to beat because they play such unselfish basketball, on top of the fact that they have two great weapons, in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who both exploded – in Milwaukee here tonight, and uh, I kind of wanted to ask you about that, Bruce. What'd you take away from that first half there tonight? I mean, I think uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were like five points shy of the entire Milwaukee Bucks total in that first half. Well, look, I mean, Jalen Brown came out of the gate tonight. I mean, I think he
1: had 17 points in the first quarter. Might have been yeah. 15. I'm not. I don't remember exactly. I lost count after a while. <laughs> but but they've really, you know, it's funny sometimes it's like they almost take turns dominating a quarter. You know, Jalen will take the first quarter, and then Tatum will take the second, and one of them will take the third, and, you know, the fourth is sort of up for grabs, you know. Uh, but I'll tell you, the guy, you know, you you mentioned Time Lord, and Time Lord is so, so valuable because he's really, you know, he plays above the rim. None of their other bigs play above the rim. Horford doesn't play above the rim. He's really good. But he doesn't play above the rim. But the guy tonight that I think really showed his value was Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, that guy comes into a game. He never makes a bad decision. He rarely turns the ball over. He's really good at getting to the basket, and he can finish at the basket with both hands. Uh, He's a tough competitor. He never complains to the referees. He just goes out there and plays. He's kind of like, you know, a little bit like Drew Holiday in that regard, although Holiday's a better player. But Brogdon is kind of in that spirit of, of that sort of a mature veteran guard kind of the, that could just, you know, always make a smart decision.
0: And Brogdon always takes these games personal against Milwaukee. As you might remember, they had the chance to sign them to the contract extension and allowed him to walk freely where he signed a big deal with the Indiana Pacers. Um, so it's always personal when he comes back into town in Milwaukee and, uh, tries to make sure he leaves on top there. So, um the one thing I will say for the Bucks which is a little interesting here is, you know, they did lose to the Denver Nuggets last week. That was on a second night of a back-to-back on the road. They lost to Boston badly at home tonight. I don't think they win this even if they hadn't played last night, but point is of the three teams we're talking about, the Bucks have faced both of them on a the second night of the back-to-back in the last two weeks. So, maybe that plays a factor, but Lame excuse, they got they got their butts whooped tonight, and, and uh, Boston really, you know, provided a statement. And uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Bruce. I think, honestly, when it comes to the playoffs, this really won't mean much. But I think they're in for a bigger test than you're giving your Celtics credit for. I think they're starting to really pick up some steam here with Brogdon back healthy and Time Lord back out on the floor as well.
2: This game, This game was Boston saying to the Bucks and, you know, the rest of the league. Yeah, the, the Bucks, Milwaukee, you may have the division, the conference. We will give you that, but just remember who you're dealing with. And that's yeah. that's how it looked, and that's how it uh, felt. And to Bruce's point about Jalen Brown, yeah, he had 17 in the first quarter. He also had three assists, played every minute. I mean, it was just real, and he hit three threes from there. You know, Jalen's been doing great. He's one of the best among guards at getting to the paint. But he you know he's when he's hitting the threes and you get to the paint like he does, he's tough to see he's tough to stop. And you're dishing it out.
1: I think you're looking at second team all NBA for him. I really I, do. I don't, I don't think he will be first team, but I think second team is very much you know in play for him.
0: Absolutely. I think that's all fair there. And uh speaking of second, let's get right into our second quarter here and uh Let's go ahead and try this again, fellas. Kevin Durant finally makes his son's home debut in a big win over the Timberwolves on Wednesday night. KD was scoreless in that first quarter. And in fact, he didn't score a single point until he earned a trip to the foul line with 632 left in the second quarter. And then once he got to the free throw line, a 93% free throw shooter on the season missed one of two free throws. So, not sure if you guys caught the game, but I'm sure you saw the box score. Do you think Kevin Durant was pressing in his home debut for Phoenix?
1: I don't know. I mean, his they're 4-0 and when he plays, okay? Yeah. Um, KD has six games to get fully in sync with this team. But since the team is 4-0 and when he's played and barely had any practice time with him, they're going to be fine. He always finds a way to make it work because that's just how he is. He's a superstar who's willing to sort of fit in. You know, he's like kind of, you know, as brilliant of a player as he is. I don't think his ego is ever a problem. I mean, he knows he's got guys around him in Phoenix. My biggest concern for that team in general, not just KD, but across the board, is their health. They, you know, they lose one guy and they don't really have the depth to overcome that. So they got to keep everybody healthy.
2: What's your thoughts on KD and the Suns? I mean, I could see if somebody was saying he was pressing uh, a little too excited. We we thought that was kind of how he got hurt. You know, it, it, you know, weeks ago he was you know all excited, or how he almost played through that. I guess after he slipped and fell, he kept going through his warm ups. He was so excited and he'd adrenaline, and everything, and then you know, eventually when he calmed down, that probably the pain and the swelling began. Um, yeah, you know, it wasn't a KD. No, you, you could see him uh pressing, you could understand if he was. It was 0 for 6 from mid range. He's the best mid range shooter in the game today. He's shooting almost 60% for the season from the mid range, which is ridiculous. Even for Kevin Durant, who's the best, uh, 0 for 6 on the mid range jumpers last night or Wednesday night. That's very unlike him. Uh, like as you said, he missed, you know, Mr. Frizo, which is very unlike him, although he. Finish what four or five, whatever it was. So yeah, yeah it was just with the idea of him being back. They played a they played a, a team that's desperate to get to the postseason you know, position. Whatever that was playing well too in Minnesota. They've they've been really uh, doing a job, and they're getting healthy or trying to get healthy. And so it was a good test for them. They they came out with a with a good win, and you know KD's not going to be four for eighteen or four for nineteen for no. uh, many more days. So. It was a an off night for him, but it's understandable.
0: Yeah, I watched that game from start to finish. I personally thought he was pressing a little bit. There was even one particular jumper that really stood out to me. It was probably about ten to twelve feet out on the baseline. He overshot it by a mile, barely skimmed the net, the, the rim, and it was a very unlike KD game. But he still, as you alluded to, Bruce. Did did some things out there on the floor throughout the course of the entire game and and, and made the team effective and and was a huge difference maker in that victory last night. And uh, one last thing I want to say on on Kevin Durant specifically in this game is as much as I do think he was pressing, I do want to give some credit to Jaden McDaniels. Having watched the Wolves play a few times on their West Coast road trip here, he's become a very impactful defender uh, for Chris Finch's defense. This guy's long, he's lengthy, he's showing a lot of good timing on his contests, and he's shown not to just be a capable capable defender, but like he's very disciplined on these elite wings. I mean, they don't draw a lot of fouls against him. He's, he's staying down until it's time to go contest a shot, and I've been really impressed with McDaniel's uh, development on the defensive end of the floor.
1: You know, one of the guys that I'm concerned with on Phoenix, I mean, look, we know they're very top-heavy with their big four, you know, Booker, Aiton, CP, and Durant. But right now, they've got Josh Akogi starting at forward, okay? He's only 6'4", okay? He's always going to be smaller than the guy he guards, and you really worry about his rebounding, which I think in the postseason is important. He did have nine boards on Wednesday against the Wolves, but out of the 14 games they played in March, he had three or fewer rebounds in eight of those games. And when one of your forwards is only getting three rebounds a game and he's six, four, I think he that's a matchup that they're going to have, uh, you know, they're going to be exploiting that matchup against those guys. So it means that, you know, they're going to need a lot of help off of their bench. I mean, they're going to need campaign. They're going to need Tory Craig. They're going to need Terrence Ross to come in there and be the best versions of themselves. Because to me, I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Josh Kogi helping, push them where they need to be. And oh, by the way, their final six games are, uh, well, it rhymes with which. Here's what their last six games are, okay? They only have one gimme out of the six. That's uh, the Spurs on Tuesday, all right? They've got two left against Denver. Luckily for them, both are at home, okay? They have OKC and the Lakers on the road. And game number 82 will be against the team they're battling for that 4-5 spot, the Clippers. That game is at home. So really, they're going to have to go through some real like fire if they want to hang on to that number four spot. We'll see if they if they have enough uh, with their presumed
0: uh, problems depth-wise. And I, and I kind of like that, though. I mean, taking the glass-half-full approach on that schedule, they need to start playing some of these better teams in the league. I, I'd rather them see see them play the playoff teams to get kind of a test run with Kevin Durant Against the best in basketball, then play these teams that are pretty much, I guess, "quote unquote" tank- tanking or to make world beats feel a little bit better, developing where they're playing a lot of their younger guys, you know, giving them some experience. No, I think these guys need to go up against some of the better players in the league, better offenses in the league, better defenses in the league, and really prove what they can do and and kind of work through the kinks because, of course, there's going to be kinks as Kevin Durant kind of gets suited with with this group. So, uh, you know, it should be fun to watch what they do in these last couple of games. But, you know, I'm excited that they're playing some of the best talent in the NBA. They got to beat them, though. Yeah, (laughs) they
1: need the wins.
0: (laughs) Yep. And uh, with that, we've reached our halftime buzzer. So we'll take a quick break and come back with you for the second half. And we're back with the start of our second half. Let's get started it with the third quarter here, and uh, OKC has been bringing the Thunder, currently holding a one game lead for the last and final playing spot in the Western Conference. And uh, World B, I'll start with you. What have you been seeing from this Thunder squad?
2: Well, they what I've been seeing is they play, they we thought maybe they were done at the end of February and early right after the All Star break, they had a five game losing streak. and. You know, and that you just were waiting for them. Okay, this is when they're going to drop out. This is when the and they've come back. They you know, have a winning record since that point. I think it's ten and seven or ten and eight. Uh, that's a, you know, that's a nice bounce back for them. I was disappointed the effort they gave on uh, Tuesday against the Hornets. That that really can't happen. They had a schedule that beginning on Sunday where they had the Blazers, the Hornets, the Pistons, and now Friday they played the Pacers. They could have really used a four and 0 run there to really. Uh, those are games you need at this time. You know, at this time of the season, and they're two and one. They could go three and one, and that would be great. But they got to go to Indiana uh, because the rest of the schedule is, you know, going to be tough. Phoenix, Golden State, in Golden State, the Jazz, and Memphis. I mean, those are tough ways to end the season. So I was disappointed to see that effort they gave against the Hornets. Now the flip side is the next night they come back. They got a bad team in the Pistons, and they you know hang on to win that game, albeit you know a close one. But uh, yeah. they're, they're definitely playing better, and I'm very uh, excited for their future because there's some players that Jalen Williams with the uh, the guard version yeah. of the Jalen, <laughs> has really, if he had a whole season, you could really push. Uh, my man Ben Carroll for Rookie of the Year. He's playing that well these days. He's really become a uh, solid player and a solid starter on that team. You pairing him with SGA and Giddy, they have a chance here down the road. They're they're doing things the right way, and I'm the guy who says go all in, get to the playoffs. I think that's an achievement. Some people are say, well, just go back and get another one, you know, another good draft pick because they only have it. Know, what 20 of the next three years whatever the heck it is so um uh, i'm the guy that says go for it if you can so i'm, I'm i i want to see him make a run that's why although my Hornets beat him it was kind of i wanted to see better from the thunder in that game you know this team can score they're
1: fifth in points okay and they get a ton of shots up they average 92.6 field goal attempts in the nba um, that leads the league, okay? They don't get to the free throw line a lot, but when they get there, they make 81% as a team, okay? Really outstanding, you know, shooting group. SGA's got a legit chance to be all NBA at age 24. I mean, maybe even first team since John Morant has his issues that are going to probably cost him some, some votes in that respect. But uh, he's, he's a mid-range master. He's got great moves. He's crafty. Uh, he shoots 53% on twos. I mean, that's a really high percentage for, for a guard. Um, and Josh giddy man, I'll tell you what, he is special. I mean, he's 20 years old. It's his second year in the league. He was all rookie second team last season. He's an outstanding playmaker. He's the team's leading rebounder. All right. He's averaging 16 and a half and just under eight boards, six plus dimes. He needs to improve his three-point shooting a little bit, although he has made a really nice jump from last year to this year. Last year, he was 26% from downtown. This year, he's uh, almost 33. So that's a significant increase. And if he can continue that, um, he'll be just able to score pretty much from anywhere. His transition offense is really kind of a hallmark of this team. I mean, he juices that team up when he's got the ball in the uh, in the open court. So, um And you mentioned uh, the two, well, you mentioned one of the rookie Jalen Williams's, J-A-L-E-N is the one you were talking about. Uh, He's a mid-range master too, 58% on twos. Okay. Pretty good. Uh, And J-A-Y-L-I-N plays fewer minutes, but he's a much better three-point shooter. He's right around 40%, just a tick under. So, uh, and there's just other really nice role players. I mean, Lou Dort. Okay. Lou Dort. Is a freaking beast. Okay. 6'4, 220. He's only averaging 13'8, but he can be really streaky. And he's had a bunch of 20 point games this year, 14 of them, as a matter of fact. And I don't know if you saw the dunk that he had on Marvin Bagley, the third on Wednesday (laughs) night. He just absolutely destroyed him. 6'4 over 6'11. And it was like, and it was like it was no big deal. He didn't come down the court beating his chest, he just kind of ran back. He's got. He reminds me a little bit of Royce O'Neal, and that's a total compliment.
2: <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, absolutely. To follow up real quick on what Bruce was saying, you, he's right. There's a lot to like about him. Uh, a couple of things: they're not a good shooting team. They're bottom ten in effective field goal percentage. They're a young team, so you almost kind of expect that. So that's got to improve. Giddy, uh, I I agree with you, Bruce. He has improved his shot, but it's still a. It's still one of those things you cover your eyes when he takes a jumper. <laughs> uh, but, he, you know, he's fun to watch, whatever. Uh, Bruce is right. They shoot well from the line, but they don't get there. They're bottom 10, as Bruce said. They do get a lot of shots off. They're second behind only the Warriors in uh, possession for 48 minutes. They get about 102 a night. So there's things that they've developed. They, You can see the style they're trying to do. They they can't shoot, so let's press the issue. Let's get the points that way, that's uh, very much the way the Lakers are trying to do it. Lakers are a very big transition team, and LeBron is the leader in fast break points and stuff. And the, you can see what the Thunder are trying to do. We're going to push the issue, and we're going to try and uh, get to easy buckets because if they have to stand out there and shoot, it's <laughs> you cringe. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk Can we talk a little bit
1: about all of these draft aft assets that they have and, and what I think they should do with some of them all right they're Send to they're, the Knicks no <laughs> all right every week every week I find some way to get Naz Reed into the show because you know I'm I'm just such a fan here's the thing one of their shortcomings is rebounding okay not a great yeah. rebounding team they don't really have a center on their team okay they have 11 first round draft picks over the next four drafts okay Minnesota has depleted all of their first-round draft picks in the Rudy Gobert trade. I think they should get with Minnesota and say, listen, we want to get Naz Reed. You guys have no draft picks. We have draft picks out the wazoo. Let's make a deal, because if you put Nas Reed on that Oklahoma City team with his toughness, his ability to stretch the floor, his rebounding, and just his physical presence, I think he'd be an ideal center to play with that group. And I think Minnesota being bereft of draft assets, you know, if you, if you go to Minnesota and say, Hey, listen, we're going to give you three number one picks over the next three years for that guy. We'll still have eight left. Okay. Yeah. I think they would do it. And I, that's a move that I think Sam Presti should really pursue.
0: I like that idea. I think that would be a a huge move for them. And then I'm in total agreement. They're missing that five man, uh, of the future. So Nas Reed could be a, Great big man for them. He'd be provided a great opportunity to kind of grow and gel with these guys. And uh you think three is the number then? Is that is that what the, the cost is, you I think? Don't,
1: I don't really know, but I know that Chet Holmgren, I don't have a great feeling about how durable that guy's gonna be in the NBA. I mean, I know he was the number one number two overall pick and he's probably gonna be their starting center, but I mean I I You know, no disrespect to Sean Bradley, who suffered such a horrible bike accident and is paralyzed now. But when I looked at Chet Holmberg I looked, I thought of a young Sean Bradley and that he's a big, talented guy, but needs to really hit that weight room. Now, granted, if he's sat out this whole season, which he has, hopefully he spent a good deal of time in that weight room because he's going to need it. And so if you have him and Naz or Naz and him or somebody, you know, you know, plays, you know, like the positionless deal there. Uh, World B. I think, you know, I, I think that would be a great combination for them. And I could see them rocketing up the standings if they were to make a move like that for a Nasri What do you think, World?
2: I think it's a great idea. I agree with with Ross. I think that's shows I think Nasri would be a really good fit there. I wonder if what the and here's the thing, too. They're locked in now. They got Rudy's contract. So, they're not going to be able to get rid of that thing. They you know, they were the sucker, as it turns out. Yep. <laughs> um, although, Rudy's playing a little bit better. There's, he's he's playing better than he was at the start of the year, but it still hasn't fit with that team. I, I From Minnesota's standpoint, yeah, we, we got to replace our draft picks. I certainly wouldn't give up three for Nas Reed uh, after I just what sent, what, four to Utah for Rudy? Was it? Four or something like that. Yeah. Four, but it you're going reason. to get them, not give them. You're going to replace all those well, draft picks. That's true. Oh, I'm saying if I'm if I'm Oklahoma City, I'm not. Yeah, if I'm if I'm Minnesota, I'll take I'll take more if you want. But <laughs> yeah, how many give can you? Six. How
1: many can you use if you're if you're Oklahoma City? You got a young, talented roster. I mean, what are you going to do? Stash these guys in Europe or or put them in the G League? I mean, they're close. I mean, they're pretty close right now to being really good. I'd say, you know. It's a low risk thing. You're still gonna have eight left over the next three years. I mean, plus a boatload of second round picks. So we didn't even talk about those. So yeah. anyway, that's just me. Far be it from me to tell Sam Presty how to do his job. He's pretty good at it.
0: Yeah. And, and, and kind of go full circle here. I mean, I I'm I've definitely changed my tune on this team. I thought for sure they were tanking and, and trying to get into the uh Wemba Miyama sweepstakes, but you know they they would be fun if they made the plan. I mean, they they do got a closer in SGA. I mean, obviously, you know, they're not getting to the line where they need to. But this team is still rolling as SGA has been out. I mean, SGA has been out uh, the last game against the Pistons. He's been out a few games before that. And Josh Giddy and um, Jalen Williams have picked up every bit of that challenge. And I think just moving forward for this team, that experience is more valuable than another draft pick. So I'm in agreement. This team needs to make the playoffs and uh, hopefully they can. I know that they do hold that one game uh, tiebreaker with the uh, Dallas Mavericks. So if that comes into play, they'll be all set there, but uh, should be a lot of fun to watch with them. And uh, with that, I mean, let's go right into our fourth quarter and discuss the rest of the West here. And unsurprisingly at this point, Still very much bunched up in the Western Conference, especially around the play-in situation. And really, the only team that has waved the white flag has been the Portland Trailblazers. And Bruce, I'll start with you on uh, what you're seeing out in the Western Conference standings.
1: All right. After Denver, Memphis, and SAC, nobody has clinched a playoff spot yet, okay? Phoenix mm-hmm. and the Clippers are closing in, Okay. But the next five teams are separated by just two games in the loss column. We've been talking about that, you know, pretty much every week. Dallas and Utah still have a faint pulse. But I think, you know, the, it's highly unlikely in Portland, as you mentioned, is toast. Um, let's start with the Warriors. They're probably going to make it. They're currently fifth. Their core knows how to win. OK. And even though wins on the road have been scarce, you want to see them in the first round if you're... <laughs> if you're, you know, as a first probably round matchup, no. During their extended run since 2015 when they won their first championship, they've won a road game in every single playoff series that they've played in for 7-8 straight seasons, okay? Um and with their home record, which is one of the best, stealing one game on the road in a playoff series is probably all they're going to need to do. And they've shown they can do it in the past, and I think uh you have to, you know, the, the old Rudy Tomjanovich never underestimate underestimate the heart of a champion. I think applies here.
2: Yeah, will be. Well, I got a question for you guys: is is Golden State planning on bringing their defense on the road in the playoffs? Or are they going to just use the same version of defense they used during the regular season? Because I've been, I've been saying it for weeks, and until you show me that you can win on the road and play defense. Yeah, I'll take the Warriors. I'll I'll take my chances there. Um, are there other teams I'd rather face? Yeah, sure. But I, the Warriors, if I have the home court advantage in the series over the Warriors, I'm not scared right now. I'm just not. I, I know there's so much to be scared of. That you, They're the defending champs. Steph Curry's a Hall of Famer. Clay's a Hall of Famer. That performance they gave the other night when they came back against the Pelicans yeah. down big time was really it was so much fun to watch him uh, make that run? Of course, they were at home while they were doing it too. Yeah. So, yeah. And and once again, we have another uh, Draymond incident who just continues to lead the league, and uh, him and Dylan Brooks are just one and two every week in Knucklehead of the Week award. <laughs> uh, I mean, who does that? Who 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 does that? It's just it, it never ends with with uh, with Draymond, but. Yeah, until they until they really want to show that they're ready to play the defense that's necessary, everybody thinks they can turn it on and turn it off, and maybe they can, and maybe I'm just not appreciating enough. But because I'm the biggest Steph Curry fan as I've been of anybody that's played this game, but it's just week after week they they lure you back in. Look at how good we're starting to do. And then they'll get on the road and they'll just throw a clunker out there defensively and and not be in a game that they should win. So show me you can do it, and I'll be more than happy to get on the bandwagon. And, uh, yeah, I mean,
0: I don't know if you can just turn the light switch on uh, and and, and just automatically be a good defensive team. I just know that, you know, if they live and die by the three-pointer – I'm not betting against Steph Curry and Klay Thompson when it comes to that. So if they get hot, I think it's 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 going to be definitely very scary on that front. And uh, how about some of these other teams, Bruce? I know that you had uh, uh, some analysis on these. Who do you want to go yeah. with next? Yeah. Let's
1: talk about the Lakers, okay? Okay. America's second favorite team after the Celtics. Just kidding. Um, they're always going to be dangerous if they make the postseason because – Anthony Davis and LeBron James, right? I mean, when you have the two best players on the court together, you usually win, all right? They did it three seasons ago in the bubble, and they've retooled this team on the fly mm-hmm. midseason, and it's reasonable to assume their best basketball is still in front of them, okay? Austin Reeves, Dennis Schroeder, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, those guys give you some offensive punch. Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, and Wenyen Gabriel provide some size off the bench, and if they get seven-footer Mo Bamba back for the postseason, which is a big if, um, they'll have some additional rim protection. So, again, you can't sleep on the Lakers. Absolutely no. not.
2: No. I, I will say this. This is one time where I agree with you, Bruce. I They haven't provided – they're just like the words, They haven't provided enough of a run for you to feel like, oh, they're going to get it together and take – but for some reason I'm with you on this Bruce. I think I think that's a team I don't want to see if they're healthy. If LeBron is really going to be healthy, if AD can stay healthy with those pieces that they have now, yeah, I think they can uh they can go on a run and they can do it. I you know, the other night they they take care of after you know uh the Bulls just embarrass them on their home court. Uh, basically, I mean, you know, they made a little run in the fourth quarter, but they were getting beat the whole night. They go back to Chicago, one of the best defensive teams in the league, and put a beat down on them offensively, which was really an eye-opener. So we talked about a couple episodes ago with LeBron James uh, uh, give up the, you know, the leader or whatever we call it to to AD. And I, I said he would some, you know, some said maybe he wouldn't, but if they can figure that out, because AD is the difference maker for me on this team. When he's playing well on the defensive end and he's not taking the threes, he's getting the shots he wants inside the three point line. This is a team that can really go on a serious run when they're healthy. I, I, for whatever reason, I they're in the same boat that the Warriors have been all season. Oh, they're going, to go, they're good. Look, they won two in a row. We're going to go, and then they go and lose three out of four, and you're right back. Same thing that the Warriors did, but for some reason, I have a little more confidence at this point in the Lakers, which I'm sure will kind of bite me in the ass at the end in the first round. If hey, they Ross. Ross, yeah.
1: how great was it watching Austin Reeves give Patrick Beverly the two short deal on Oh, the, I love uh, that. That that was so good. <laughs> yeah, it was good.
0: I, I, I wonder if they have a good relationship off the court or not. I mean, it, it had me wondering whether or not they're cool or if they're not cool and Austin Reeves was – Providing a statement there, but nonetheless, it was good stuff there. I love that; that was awesome. Uh, who you got I next? Forgot, Bruce? I forgot
2: to ask, uh, uh, add Beverly to the Knucklehead list with yes. along with Dylan. Yeah, my yeah. I, yeah. my fault on the omission there, but yes, he he uh, <laughs> absolutely belongs on the uh, starting the forty eight minutes starting five Knucklehead team.
1: I think you just came up with a, one of our quarters for our next show, World B. Yes, each of us was going to do our all Knucklehead team. We just not rotating the three
2: guys, though. A <laughs> four. We'll, we'll add well, Kyrie. will so that's four. We John Morant. Morant's in there. Uh he's. Well,
1: getting you might better. throw he Luca in there too, right about now as well. But uh he's getting close. His, he's
2: getting close. The stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, yeah, he's getting close, and you know, as long as Jared, uh, uh, Jared Allen, not Jared Allen, uh, Grayson Allen, Grayson Allen. As long as yeah. Grayson Allen's still in the league, he's always a candidate at some point to make <laughs> for at least one week to make the list. So I guess there's more, more candidates. Yeah, all right. I thought it was just going to be three or four, but we could probably squeeze out a good 10 if we really want to try. Maybe we should have an all knucklehead
1: draft so that we all can't name those same three guys to our team. You know, we'll have to yeah. <laughs> have a live all knucklehead team draft on 48 minutes podcast. Well,
2: that we'll would see. be fun. You know,
1: this is how ideas are created. I suppose. All right, next team. The Minnesota Timberwolves have played well in March and look to be on an upwards curve with Carl Anthony Towns back on the floor. Cat gives them size and spacing. The combo at center of Rudy Gobert and the aforementioned Naz Reed provide complementary skills in the middle. Gobert defends and rebounds. Reed scores and rebounds and is a tough physical presence. Anthony Edwards, World B's favorite player, uh, is a spectacular player. Scorer, okay. Uh, Mike Conley is a mature floor general, and Jaden McDaniels is a really good uh, shooter at six nine. Kyle Anderson, solid all around, and this team can really shoot it. They shoot forty nine point one percent as a team, which is number four in the NBA. So this is another team that, to me, I wouldn't say they're peaking, but they're definitely gaining momentum as as the season you know winds down.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Karl-Anthony Towns coming back just adds a whole different dimension to that offense. And uh, the two bigs on defense, you know, some would argue come playoff time, that might be a problem, you know, stretching the floor and, and kind of spacing the, those two guys out. But right now, Karl-Anthony Towns is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. As much as I, uh, you know, gave him some heck for saying Dirk Winsky was a much better shooter. Uh, he's, shooting, he's shooting that thing real nice right now. And uh, I I really like where this team's going. As I mentioned, I, I've been keeping a close eye on this Timberwolves team on this West Coast trip, where I get a chance to watch them a lot more. And the defense is picking up. The shooting is remaining consistent, and uh, they're getting solid contributions uh, on both ends from guys like Anthony Edwards, Carl uh, Carl Towns, and also uh, you know Gobert as will B mentioned. You know he's been he's been solid. I mean, you know I don't know if we'll ever whoever we'll be that guy on the pedestal that they traded for. But at the same time, like, he served a very pivotal piece to that team, both offensively around the rim and defensively uh, sh- blocking shots and grabbing rebounds. So they're picking up pace at the right time, and uh, that's certainly not a team and definitely not a home crowd in Minnesota I would want to deal with come playoff time.
2: I think I agree with everything you say there. I They are playing better, and, yes, Anthony Edwards is – uh, one of my favorite players of the season. So you you guys are both right there. Uh, I would say their offense they're coming down the stretch, which makes sense. They're a little inconsistent, uh, just like everybody else at this level. You yeah. know, they're they just a you know, massive inconsistency with these teams. But they have good offensive games, bad offensive games, good efficient games, bad efficient games. So. One of these teams you want to see get on a run and separate themselves. All we've really seen at this group is the Blazers separate themselves, but by doing it the opposite way. We're hoping to see one of these teams solidify the seventh spot or solidify a spot, and we just haven't seen it. And the Timberwolves fall in that category. Um, but I like I like uh, what they're doing. I like what Carl Anthony Downs is. Not only is he shooting it well, he's taking way more three pointers than he ever has. Yes. In his career, and he's getting almost nothing—not nothing—but he's getting a whole lot less than he's used to in the paint, where he, just, he used to be at least be a mix. But he's really—I mean—almost forty percent of his attempts, field goal attempts, are coming from three-point range. Now he's shooting well enough right now, and that works out. But if he doesn't start shooting well, you now you now you want him inside with Rudy or something to really pound it in with those guys, but. He's got that skill set he can do inside and out. It's just right now he's really shooting it well outside, as you said. One more
1: team that I'd like us to kind of bounce around just a little bit. I know we're uh, we're getting short on time. But the Pelicans, as you guys uh, have mentioned, they're hanging around. And you just, I just wonder, what would their record be if Zion Williamson had played more than 29 games this season? I mean, they're tied right now for ninth with the Lakers. They're at five hundred. But when Zion played, they were 17 and 12. You know, that's a way above 500 percentage. All right. If you were to prorate that over the course of an 82 game season, they'd be in the mid 40s for wins and they'd be comfortably in the fourth spot at this point. Okay, Um, they've had great seasons from CJ McCollum, who's been their rock. uh, And although he's missed a lot of games, 37, in fact, Brandon Ingram has also played well this season. But look, I think we all know this team can't
0: get very far without Zion Williamson on the floor. Can they? No, I mean, I, I think that's the missing piece and it's a big one. Um, I don't know if they can overcome that, but I think certainly they're getting solid contributions from other wings right now. Herb Jones is playing really good basketball. Another guy who's shooting a a lot more threes, kind of like Carl Anthony Towns is Trey Murphy. The third, obviously he had that huge, Scoring outburst about a week ago now, but he's still shooting the ball really well from three. Um, And uh, they're back healthy for the most part outside of Zion, who's been unhealthy for most of his NBA career, unfortunately. Um, So who knows? I think this is a team that obviously is still trying to build chemistry. I think they're trying to kind of understand who they are without Zion. and, And now they're under the realization that, you know, this is who we are, like, without Zion. And I think that wasn't something that they really previously adjusted to until now. And now those guys are starting to adapt of, like, we've got to figure it out without Zion and uh, just act like he's not here. As as bad as that sounds, I think that's just what needs to, to happen. And I think we're starting to see that. I just have one last quick comment
1: about the West. The Mavericks and the Jazz are on life support at this point. But there's been great progress in medical technology. Uh, but Dallas in particular could use a heart transplant.
0: That's all I got to yeah. say about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much to comment there. I think their uh, record here as of late speaks for itself and uh, their problems as well.
2: But the Jazz, uh, with have been that- playing with, the Jazz have been playing with house money from about October anyway, <laughs> since since they made all the trades and nobody expected yeah. anything. You know, we expect them to be where the Spurs are right now and uh, so sure. they just absolutely have gone out and uh they've had a, for me they've had an impressive season no matter how it turns out I've I've been uh I yeah, got an all-star in uh marketing out of it so yeah they, they did they they came out as really really good this season no matter how it turns out yep and uh with that we'll get quickly into our best
0: bets here and tonight I want to share my favorite Minnesota Timberwolves same game parlay and that is Anthony Edwards for 15 points. He's done that in only three of his past five games. So it's good value as far as the sports books are concerned with that 60% recent hit rate. Anthony Edwards for one three-pointer, because if he score in 15 points, I'm willing to bet he'll have at least one three mixed in there. He's done that in five of his past five games. Carl Anthony Towns, we just talked about him. I have him for two three-pointers. He's hit at least two triples in each of his three games since returning to action. So putting him down for two is a safe play. And then Mike Conley for two assists. He's done that in 10 out of the last 10 games. Um, But the two games in that span. uh, So two of those 10 games in that span, he had just two dimes. So you can still get some decent value on that and it will tip you into the plus category. uh, So you can double up on your money. And uh, that is tonight's best bets. And with that, Bruce, why don't you lead us off for tonight's final thought? All right,
1: Ross, thanks. Uh, Sacramento Kings head coach Mike Brown is a friend of mine. Full disclosure, we've known each other for 12 years when he briefly worked at ESPN after leaving the Cavaliers as head coach when LeBron took his talents to South Beach. Mike took his talents to Bristol, at least temporarily. (laughs) Anyway, you'll never meet a finer man or a better coach. After spending six seasons as Steve Kerr's top assistant in Golden State, he took over the Kings this season, hoping to lead the team to the playoffs after a 16-year drought. Mission accomplished. The Kings have been one of the most exciting teams in the league this year, leading the league in points scored by a large margin, almost three points a game over the number two team, uh, which happens to be his old team in San Francisco. In the wide-open Western Conference, the Kings have as good a chance as any team to actually make it to the NBA Finals. But whether they do it or bow out in an earlier round, the Kings are no fluke and should be a factor for a number of years. As for their coach, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy.
2: Well said there, Bruce. World B? Uh, The NCAA tournament that is just about uh, done with now is every basketball fan, one of their favorite events uh, of the season. It's an exciting situation for three weeks. You get Cinderellas all over the place, and we have some in the Final Four. Uh, the biggest of which is probably Florida Atlantic uh, down in Boca Raton, which is you know, a real excitement thing, especially in Miami now down there. And it's always a lot of fun. We've always enjoyed watching the Villanova's back in '85 or the Butler's going to back-to-back championships, going on these runs. It's always a fun thing to see, but it always serves as a reminder to me of the NBA playoffs that's upcoming as a true test of who are the best teams in the, in the basketball, playing seven games. You have to beat somebody four out of seven games to show you, if you can do that, then you're the better team and you move on. You rarely see the the upsets come out of the NBA playoffs. A team, an underdog team may win a game, may win two, may even get you to seven games. But over the long stretch, it's been proven the best teams win and it's always been a fun uh time the nba playoffs when i watch the ncaa playoffs the ncaa tournament i'm always reminded that i can't wait for the nba playoffs because that's really where you decide who the best teams are
0: well said there and yeah it's been an exciting and uh pretty surprising march madness here thus far for my final thought, uh, I want to give some love to Giannis and Drew Holiday on their epic performances on Wednesday night on the road in Indiana as they, be- they became the first teammates in NBA history to, co- to record a 35-point triple-double and a 50-point performance in the same game. They both put up video game stat lines as Giannis dropped 38 on 14 of 18 shooting along with 17 rebounds and 12 assists and Drew Holiday recording his first 50-point game by scoring 51 points on 20 of 30 from the field. Last night was Holiday's 902nd NBA game of his career. The only player in NBA history to record their first 50-point game at a later point in their career was LaMarcus Aldridge in his 912th game, and uh, it was a pretty crazy night for the Bucks. and uh, unfortunately, Bruce, you know, they couldn't bring it for a second night tonight.
1: Drew Drew used up all of his buckets against Indiana. Yeah. He I think he only had two against Boston. Hey, I know that world. Uh, you know, before we say goodbye, I just want to say uh, sorry to hear the news about Julius Randall on Wednesday yes. night coming down on his ankle. They're gonna. I saw a news earlier on uh, Thursday. They're gonna reevaluate him in two weeks, which means he's out through the end of the regular season. Hopefully, he can come back. He has had an amazing year for those guys. He's been, along with Jalen Brunson, an incredible one-two punch. And you just hate to see somebody go down like that um, with the playoffs you know, about to take place. So uh, even from a Celtics fan like me, I, Julius Randle, wishing you the best. Hopefully you're a quick healer because uh, we want to see you in the playoffs.
0: No doubt. Uh, bad news out of the Big Apple, but we're wishing Julius Randle well. And uh, with that... That will do it for this edition of the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back with you next week to be sure you're up to date on all things around the association. Have a great weekend, everybody.